0: This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach, and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. This episode is titled, How to Influence My Team's Behavior. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, and coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm really excited to have you listening. Welcome to the Divine Comedy of Sales. So as I said at the top, this episode is about how you can better influence your team's behavior. And I'm focused on this topic because I know this is a challenge uh, for many of us in sales leadership roles. And to net it out, great sales leaders know how to overcome the barriers to influence. That's really what separates them from average leaders. There are common barriers to influence. And I want to talk about some of that today. In addition to what those barriers are, I'll talk about some of the behavior that I've observed, great influencers directly and offer some examples. So let's dive in. You know, one of the first things that I've noticed about great leaders and how they influence others' behavior is they know how to overcome confirmation bias. Now, confirmation bias is that very human tendency, we all demonstrate it from time to time, to take in new information and judge it based on whether it confirms or conflicts with our own existing beliefs, and specifically confirmation bias is when we interpret new information in a way that it only confirms what we already believe to be true. So you can see how confirmation bias would be a barrier to one person influencing another, regardless of whether there's a leader-seller role, right? This is human to human, one of the big obstacles to influence is confirmation bias. When I worked at Huthwaite many years ago, uh, we used to uh, express or, or explain confirmation bias by offering what we called the two rules of human communication, and they were very simply this. First is, people value what they conclude versus what they're told by others. And second rule, people value what they request versus what is freely given to them. I believe that was Tom Snyder at the time at Hutthwaite who, uh, who came up with uh, that simple way of looking at the rules of communication and, or the boundaries of communication, as we called them. And really, they line up with confirmation bias, right? They are evidence that confirmation bias is real. And if you've ever had the task of influencing sellers to change their behavior like I have so many times before, you've experienced confirmation bias as a barrier to your influence. So how do great leaders overcome confirmation bias? Well, in a few ways. First, they know people don't want to solve problems that they don't acknowledge first. Put another way, they don't want advice that they didn't seek. Similar to those two rules of communication that I mentioned from Huthwaite, the point is that leaders know that in order for people to change, They first have to acknowledge a problem before they want to invest any time or brain power or effort into solving that that problem, whatever it may be. So uh, that's really the first part of how leaders look at influencing people's behavior. I know that if I have a team of people or an individual sitting in front of me and they are not conscious of a problem that I think we need to solve. I cannot jump in with my solution just yet. They first have to acknowledge the problem. Otherwise, I never get out of the gate with my solution. So that's really the first part or the first step of overcoming confirmation bias is thinking about a situation, a problem, an opportunity, looking at it through the other person's eyes, right? Do they acknowledge the problem we're trying to solve or the opportunity that we are trying to capture for ourselves by taking some new and different action. So if we know that people don't want to solve problems or pursue new opportunities or take a different approach until they've acknowledged those things, then we as leaders need to slow down and think about how we might need to help others see things differently. And that's the second step that great leaders take when overcoming confirmation bias, right? Think about your own best days as a leader, as an influencer of others, I would submit you probably had a moment to think about how will I approach getting this person or this team to see things differently? Good for you. That's what the best leaders do, right? So that's really a key step in the process of overcoming confirmation bias. And finally, I think the other key step here that's required for overcoming confirmation bias is as they engage with individual sellers on their teams or with their entire teams, as they're having dialogue with their teams, great leaders are listening for invitations. What are invitations in this context? What I mean is they're listening for those individuals or the whole team to offer up an, an, you know, evidence that says, okay, we are ready for your instructions now, Miss Leader or Mr. Leader a sign that they are now open to your guidance to your solution to your advice remember those two boundaries of human communication we said i mentioned earlier right from from my huthwaite days what we're listening for is the people that we lead we want to hear that they are ready that they've con- they've come to a conclusion that supports some take taking some new action uh, they are inviting us to give them information or to help them solve that problem or address that opportunity. That's what we're listening for. And that's what I mean by invitations, right? I'm inviting you now, Miss Leader, to share your solution. I'm inviting you to give me guidance. What does that sound like? Well, it might sound like, can you help me with that boss, right? Uh, Can you give me some ideas on how I can approach this situation? Or how would you approach this, right? So those are just simple examples, general examples of what those invitations sound like. So the point is, right, great leaders know that what they're listening for is those invitations that say, okay, I'm lowering this bias. I am now open to new information from my leader. I'm ready to be influenced, right? They don't say it quite that way, but that's basically the point that they've reached. Now, the time comes when we are influencing others, when we've got to share information, right? It's not just about asking questions and listening for invitations. It's sharing information. Maybe it's a bit of expertise or uh, something we've experienced or just something the other person or people would not know. Great leaders use observations and very specific examples as opposed to opinions and feelings. When they need to influence others, you know, as a professional salesperson myself, and as somebody who's worked with many, many salespeople over the years, I know that we sellers can explain away almost anything, Uh, not only because we're sellers, but because we're human. That's what we do. This kind of goes back to confirmation bias. But if you give me an idea or a bit of feedback or a lesson from your past experience and My tendency is to not buy it unless you can back it up. Back it up with what? Well, back it up with observations, uh, facts, things that I can't refute. And that's really one of the hallmarks of how great leaders give information in those situations when there is opportunity to influence. So really, just the facts will do. And statements like, here is what I observed, Right? Here's some data that supports what I'm saying to you. What do you think? Here's the data. It's right there in front of you. What do you think about the data? Right? So really, that's the key. In those scenarios where great leaders need to share information in support of influencing a member of their team or an entire team, they are going to use specific examples, direct observations, data and they avoid giving their opinions or offering feelings commentary in those critical moments when they need to give information to complete the process of influencing others. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. A third key way in which great leaders overcome barriers to influence is they're very tuned into receptivity, meaning they know how and exactly when they need to build receptivity to the information that they share with their teams. So here's what I mean. Let's just say you've done the work overcoming confirmation bias. You realize that there's a problem, perhaps it's with an individual member of your team. And you, you've really been thoughtful and deliberate about having a dialogue with that person and they acknowledge, yep, you're right. I do have to approach this situation differently. You've even offered some specific examples of where things have gone wrong and, and the other person you know, seems to generally understand and is ready and invites you, right, to help. How can I approach this differently? Can you give me some information or some of your experience? Let's presume all of that has happened. Even with that, there are still situations when we can run into another barrier to influence, which is timing. So when I say that great leaders, great influencers of people know how and when to build receptivity, the how we've sort of talked about, right? We're trying to overcome confirmation bias. We're asking questions. We're listening. We're trying to drive certain conclusions. We're waiting for people to invite us to give them information because that's when they'll be most receptive. But there are times when people are, are less receptive. And one of the common examples that pertains to sales leaders is when we've been out in, out in the field or on a call or some interaction with a client. And we're present to be a co-seller, a participant, not a coach, not an observer, but a participant, a co-seller in a dialogue, for example, with a customer. And we observe something. There's maybe a change in approach that will be required for future meetings with clients. And we believe that the seller experiences it. They know that the call didn't go, wasn't great, didn't have a great outcome, was sort of clunky and we offer our feedback. Now, you know may, you may know what's coming, right? You offer your feedback in this scenario, and lo and behold, you don't get acceptance and an invitation to share more. You get an explanation. Well, I was going to say that, or I was going to get there, but you, you dove in and, and, and did it for me. Well, that's just an indication that there is a time and a place to give information, especially feedback. And it definitely isn't when you are there to co-sell, to participate in a meeting, to be a an active player versus an observer and coach. Why? Well, well, because confirmation bias, because lack of role clarity, right? There's a bunch of reasons for why the seller in this common example is pushing back. So, you know, there are these small moments, these critical moments that don't lend themselves to influence because the seller is less receptive. So we have to know there is a time and a place to give feedback, to give information. And the, the thing you must remember is it isn't when you're there as a participant. If you're observing and giving feedback in a setting like that, then your partner, that seller who's on that call with you will not be as receptive to the information that you give in that moment because you weren't there to observe. Your role was to sell and to not be totally tuned in to what they were doing and why they were doing it. So in the back of their mind, they're thinking, yeah, but he didn't really observe what was going on or or she really didn't see what I was trying to do. They were too distracted doing themselves. So that's a common scenario, right? We have to know when there are situations when we are going to be uh, met with more or less receptivity. A couple of other thoughts on this idea of knowing when and how to build receptivity. Let's call it out the fact that the sellers, the people that we lead, they certainly want to hear about the positive, the things that they're doing well. But they're on the whole kind of crap sandwich approach to giving feedback, especially the one positive, one negative, one positive approach right in 2023 or later whenever you're listening to this episode you know people are onto that and uh, there's a bit of an internal eye roll i know i speak for myself when i re- when i receive feedback on how i've done and someone is clearly trying to influence my approach in future situations like the one i'm in now when they give me the oh you did x and y so well but you really fell down on this part of the call but Boy, terrific job in preparing for the conversation. I'm thinking, well, which one of these do you want me to act upon here, coach? Right. So let's, if we can, let's try to let's try to cut out the crap sandwich method of giving feedback, giving information to salespeople after we've observed them in action and know that we want to influence their behavior somehow. So instead of the crap sandwich approach, let's try the empathize and help approach. So if we've established our roles clearly we're in a scenario where the person that you know the person on our team knows that we are there specifically for the purpose of helping and giving feedback offering observations and data facts right relevant information that they are open to our influence they are receptive then our task is not the positive negative positive thing it's the hey I can totally relate to what you were trying to do. I saw how you tried to handle that opening of the call in this situation. That was tough. We had some barriers there. Would you mind if I ask you some questions about what you were thinking there? And maybe there are some ideas we can come up with together to overcome what you ran into in this example, right? So, you know, we don't have to be patronizing when giving information to adults, to professional sellers, We do have to acknowledge that there is confirmation bias to overcome, that we want people to be receptive to our information, to what what we tell them, but there is a time and a place. So really, to summarize here, what I've been talking about is the fact that great sales leaders know how to overcome the common barriers to influence. They understand that confirmation bias exists, and they think about how to overcome it. When they share information with people on their teams, they use observations, data, and specific examples, and they leave out the feelings and opinions and the things that can't be supported by evidence. And then finally, they know that there is a time and a place to influence, right? And there are moments when people on your teams are more or less receptive to being influenced And those are really the three key hallmarks to how great leaders go about influencing their team's behavior. As I wrap up today's episode, I'd really love for you to think about the ways in which great leaders influence their team's behavior. Are there steps that you can take to better address or more effectively overcome confirmation bias, which is a huge barrier to influence? What are the things that you can do differently? Is there any part of what I've shared today that you can start doing? Are there elements of how you have approached influencing people's behavior that you can cut out? Can you, for instance, do a better job of using specific examples and observations and data in conversations, in these crucial conversations where you can be most influential? Right. And what can you do to make sure that You are seizing those opportunities where your people are most receptive to being influenced. What are those situations in your environment? And what are those situations in which your team is less receptive to being influenced, right? Fight the good fight, but do it when the time is right. Influencing people's behavior is hard enough. Let's do ourselves the favor of being a little bit more deliberate, more thoughtful, as we approach these opportunities to influence our team's behavior. I do hope that today's episode has been helpful and that you've been able to take away an idea or two that you can put into practice today or tomorrow. In our next episode, we're going to talk about how to diagnose sales performance problems. Why are we going there next? Because I've seen an awful lot of sales leaders who think they really are effectively diagnosing issues but they just aren't going deeply enough and finding root causes and solving performance problems in the most effective ways. So I'm really looking forward to um, having that discussion with you. In the meantime, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of The Divine Comedy of Sales. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Bye-bye for now, we'll see you next time.